Welcome to the Laid Off Podcast, episode six. We are here today. We are once again on Zoom, so you're going to excuse us if there's any audio issues. We think it will sound great, but, uh, you know, we're growing and trying everything out, and we will fix things as they come. We're here uh, joined on Zoom by Leo Batista. Leo, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. It's going to be a fun day. Hey, that's what we're here for. We, you know, we... uh. We just want to get every kind of diverse mind that we can in here. See, you know, we, we need to spice things up a little bit. I am. I will happily bring culture and spice to your podcast any day you want, Ryan. That's what I need, man. Some of that zest. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. But first, I guess uh, we'll touch a little bit more on it later. But congratulations. I know we're we're expecting a baby from you any day now. Well, I guess it's not from you, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess I played a really small part of it. My, my whole, like, 25 seconds to fame is the reason, I guess, why this is all happening. But, yeah, no, thank you. It's uh, it's definitely nerve-wracking to know that at some point within the next couple of weeks, there's going to be humans going to look at me and be like, hey, you're my dad. I'm like, cool, just make it happen, I guess. And guide me in life. And you're like, well, still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> I think that's the scariest part about it. It has to be. Yeah. Well, you know, your oh. wife will take care of most of that because, uh, you know, some people have their stuff figured out and other people are like us. Absolutely. That's <laughs> marry up. That's, that's what I will always say. And that's what I did. <laughs> Without a doubt. So uh, what have you been up to, Leo? Can I fill us in on uh, what you've been doing lately? I know obviously a lot of baby preparation, but uh, outside of that, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I feel like one of those people that always tell people like, I don't have too much free time because I have so much going on. But for the first time in a long time, I actually have a lot of stuff going on because me and the wife um, are potentially moving, well, well, moving back to the Haverhill area to be closer to family. So a house is on the way, baby's on the way, um, job is getting crazy with a, with, with a new store opening up. So everything is just kind of in a whirlwind and just kind of trying to figure it out one day at a time. Um, but other than that, just kind of engulfing myself in some March madness and just work things and trying to figure out how to become this, how to become a dad, I guess. <laughs> That's the only thing you can do, right? You just distract yourself with sports and hope for the best. That's that, that that is my key to being sane. It's just watching a game and watching a 15 seed completely destroy a two seed and laugh in their faces. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what it's all about, really. 
Yeah, I mean, especially. <laughs> that's why that's why March Madness is here for you know a short time, but a good time. That's what it's all about, and those couple of weeks of just complete madness is is great because it just makes me feel better about my life, and I'm like, oh, we're okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll touch on that. We'll get your thoughts on that in a little bit. Um, what I really wanted to ask you about, because I know you're a big fan, was are you are you excited for baseball coming back? I am beyond exciting. Um, it is it's it's one of these things where it's like every single year, no matter even even last year when it was kind of like a short COVID season, I was super excited. But this year, I am so pumped for it. I'm ready to just engulf myself in more baseball, um, especially being a Yankees fan. It's great. <laughs> Well, I did want to I did want to touch on that <laughs> because I know that being a fan of a team uh, such as the Yankees, especially in a state like Massachusetts, is tough. Uh, so I definitely want to touch on that. But I can't agree more with the first part of your statement. I, I can't wait to be just watching some baseball in some uh, more than happy to do that. I'm not excited for my team's prospects this year. Um, if oh, it's really? anything like <laughs> if it's anything like last year, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be good. But you know, we're go- we're over it. We're not going to speak on the guy that went to LA anymore. <laughs> we won't mention his name, but we're not going to speak on him anymore. We're going to move past it and start a new a new era. That's what my hope is. But That's weird because there was a there was a billboard, wasn't there? No, uh, I didn't see a billboard. You didn't see anything. I thought I saw a picture. Of a billboard that got, I think it was next to Fenway. Was uh, it? I I don't recall a billboard of any oh. sort. Uh, Weird. I, I, however, have avoided the area actively for the last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is like like I said before. I want to get to that level of pettiness in my life, because that is something that is too funny. For for those of you that don't know. Someone, particularly a Dodgers fan, bought a billboard in the Fenway area that read, Dear Boston, thank you for the player that shall not be named on this podcast. (laughs) Sincerely. And then he put the Dodgers and his own Twitter handle. Yeah, we're not happy about it over here. We're definitely not happy about it. Oh, that is, that is, you, you have so much money, you don't know what to do with it. You're just like, let me just do a billboard. And I support it a hundred percent. I was very against it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, it's the saltiness is absolutely real. I can, I can feel it in your voice. It's just, you can, you can see that when, when it hurts, it's, it's there. It's, it's pain. It's straight pain. Because it'd be is, different if they didn't win. We got a really good team together a couple years ago, won a World Series, and it, things have just deteriorated. It was like, you almost feel like you're the Marlins, where it kind of just like straight downfall to nothing. Although, confidence is up. My manager is back. I'm happy. You know, confidence is is high. Yeah. No, hey, just keep the trash cans away and you'll be okay. Hey, you know. Let's not bring up <laughs> Houston's junk, okay? So what I what I did want to get a perspective on is um, obviously you know your your dad is from New York, so you're kind of a born and bred Yankees fan. How how do you kind of feel that affects you living in Massachusetts? Is, has that made 
has that made being a Yankees fan tough for you? So it's it's actually made it more enjoyable for me. It's it's actually strengthened my fandom for the Yankees. Um, so just to give you kind of a little bit of a back history on that. So um, when I was living in New York, I, I was born in, in Harlem, New York, and I could essentially see New, the well, Yankee Stadium from my bedroom. And that kind of was like how I, how I fell asleep and just looking at the big Yankee Stadium sign and stuff. I never really went to a game when I, when I lived there, um, but we definitely wanted to go there at, at some point. And my mom and my dad would always kind of play baseball games on like on the TV and it was only Yankees games or it was Mets games here and there. So we kind of just grew up being a Yankees fan and it never really occurred to me like what I was a fan of or like anything until I moved to Massachusetts when people would ask me, oh, are you from New York? Like, what are your teams and stuff? And I was like, well, I like baseball. So I guess I'm a Yankees fan. And the look of disgust on people's faces when I would say that I'm a Yankees fan would be like, as as if I told them that I was like dating their mom or something. I was like, this is is unbelievable to me. Like, I'm just like, people have so much hate for it. And we have to, we have to think about it too. This was what, I'm gonna be 28 now. I moved here when I was six. So we're talking 22 years ago. About 2000 or so. Yeah, so I mean, the Red Sox didn't win until 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're talking like a, you're talking about uh, bitter people and stuff. So you're talking about what you have to remember is you are talking about around the time the Yankees three-peated. So, exactly, yeah. so, you know, like it, it's in the, the midst of a lot of bitterness. <laughs> it's like right in the middle of, of everything. And on top of everything, I'm like a nine-year-old kid and, and I have like teachers looking at me weird. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a kid. Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Yeah, I like baseball. And it never really like occurred to me or anything like, like what I was doing was wrong. But until I kept getting older and older and then the hate for, for, for the Yankees fandom just kind of kept growing. And I'm like, I... I'm just gonna let, let, let it feed my like my fandom. I'm like so about it now. So me going to Fenway and wearing a Yankees jersey, you get death threats. Like it's like it's it's unbelievable. And I just eat it all up now. Like I just I take it in. I drink a few beers and I'm like, we want to <laughs> argue. Let's just argue about it. Like I like I'm so about it. So and the thing is, it's such a hard argument because you have the the Yankees on one side, which is the most decorated team in MLB history, at least, maybe in all of baseball. And then you have the Red Sox, which are another one of the most decorated teams in baseball history, yet not as winningful as the Yankees. So, you know, there's a lot of bitterness there because everyone in Boston knows the Yankees have always kind of been the ones that dish out extra money to get the star players and, you know, quote unquote, buy championships, as we would say when I was a little bit younger. And the Red Sox were never the ones to do that. So there was always a lot of bitterness because everybody wants to be that team that gets the best players. Absolutely. And and what's ironic about all that stuff is that the Red Sox can spend just as much money as as the Yankees can. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like the perception I hope is changing because the Red Sox are one of the most valuable teams in MLB, so they can spend as much money as the Yankees can. It's funny because the Red Sox, the Yankees, and I'd say the Angels probably are like the three teams that probably have the biggest budget. Um, the Angels now, just because now they're owned by like Disney, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the the mouse just runs the world. <laughs> exactly, but it's funny because like traditionally speaking. Um, you know, like aside it, it lately in the last 20 years, 
Um, you know, the Red Sox have been to a handful of World Series and the Yankees have been to a handful of World Series. The, the Angels, not as much. But it's funny because you see that the money doesn't always dictate how well the team actually does. But no, the perception not at all. is that it does. Yeah, for, for some reason, people think that you got the cash to spend that that's going to equate to championships and it is not the case. But, I mean, in, in defense of Red Sox fans, they have been winning a lot more than the Yankees have in recent history. So that's a little tough for, for, for me to swallow and watch. But, I mean, someone has to win at some points. It's kind of it's kind of like those phrases, like a like a blind squirrel finds a nut every every now and then. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> when you find three nuts in you know fourteen years, you might start thinking there's something to it. <laughs> and then you just sell everyone off. But no, it's definitely um, I can definitely thank every single Red Sox fan out there that's gotten into a very heated argument with me. I can thank them for making my fandom for the Yankees grow stronger. I truly can. And. Just to clarify with everyone here, uh, I know we're having a little bit of a baseball talk, but um, you are a New England Patriots fan. I am, yes. So you're officially a fan of two of the most, you know, like easily hateable teams in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. And then to throw it all in there, I love LeBron James. So let's just oh. give me all the hate, I guess. <laughs> oh. And I do. I have no problem doing that. As you know, I, I often do give you all of my hate when it comes to sports. Oh, absolutely. As a bitter Saints fan, I, I understand. I, I get it. It's okay. Are you okay right now? Like, I know Drew Brees <laughs> leaving is like a big deal. I, I know he could barely throw a football for the past three years, but I mean, it has to hurt somehow. I mean, it doesn't hurt nearly as much as my lifelong quarterback going and winning a championship the first year with another team while, while my team squabbles on the field like a bunch of kid, chickens with their head cut off. So, you know, I don't feel that bad, but <laughs> yeah, I'm upset. I see. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Hey, COVID. <laughs> I'm, I'm just blaming on COVID. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> COVID made Tom Brady leave. <laughs> That's what it was. He was like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm going south. Uh, you know, oh. The strategy might have worked. I didn't see Tom Brady missing any games in Tampa Bay. Yeah, can't blame the guy. As you get older, you just start moving south. Yeah, it's it's natural. And, you know, it's funny, though, because I actually, I don't like Tom Brady. My whole, oh, my, whole life, my whole life of being, uh, you know, I, I won't say my whole life, because when I was a little kid, I didn't, wasn't really able to make decisions for myself as far as sports teams went. But ever since I kind of declared that, I'm a Saints fan and not a Patriots fan. I would say that everybody has been pretty harsh, you know, much like the Yankees, even though it's not as much of a rivalry. Yeah. But, um, you know, what's nice is that I can say it really made me hate the Patriots a lot. And it really made me hate Tom Brady a lot because nobody would stop talking about him. Although on the alternative, Tampa Tom, not such a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Tom likes to party. He's Tampa a, Tom is he's a different animal. Know, when Belichick's not holding back his true personality, I think he might be a cool guy. I think I think he's a guy that you could have more than one beer with and just keep it going. Yeah, just like, see where the is, night heads off. You might end up on a boat, maybe wearing some orange shirts, whatever it was. But you know, maybe. Hey, like, when in Florida, you got to act as the Floridians do. You got to do it up. You just got to live it up. It's it's Florida. I consider one big vacation. You don't. Florida's <laughs> like a mythical island. Off well, of that's the why United Tom States. went there. He needed a vacation from football, so he went to play in Tampa. <laughs> and 
you know, in theory, he just took his vacation. He just won a Super Bowl while doing that. Yep. He's just, that's what he does. He's like, you know what? I'm going to just move on and just win another ring. That's, that's, what, that's what I do. But to circle back to you, to your comment about hating um, Tom Brady and, and, sure. and stuff, I think, I think you suffer from the same thing that I do, where it's not so much hating the, the, uh, the team itself, because as a sports fan, I can appreciate a, a great a great player, whether it's baseball, football, f- basketball, whatever it is, because it grows the game. Of course. For me, it's really just the fans part of it. And it's because... funny, the perception of that, too, because you obviously hate Red Sox fans. Red Sox yeah. Nation can't stand them. They're obnoxious. They, they're terrible people. They're threatening. All of it. Yeah. And everything that you just said is what I feel about the Yankees nation. <laughs> it's funny that you see the perspective because it's like, is that even true for either? Is that is it just what we made up in our head for the team that we had the disdain for? I think so. I think we just walk around and we're like, these people just suck. Like, they're just yeah. the worst people in the world. Literally, when I, when I go to Fenway or, you know, I've never had the pleasure of going to Yankee Stadium. I, I would love to. I'm not sure I'd want to wear a Red Sox jersey in there because – Things can get a little brutal, but, uh, you know, if it push came to shove, obviously I'm going to wear the Red Sox gear. But uh, every time I see someone wearing a Yankees jersey, I just think, like, wow, I wonder if that person knows they're a piece of shit. <laughs> that's just – that's my honest I, I can I can honestly <laughs> – I can honestly tell you that I put it on and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm a pretty cool guy. I'm a <laughs> – but, but can you be upset with someone who, like – because the way I see it is that most Yankees fans who go to Fenway live and grow up in Boston. True. Can you hate someone for hating a fan base that just looks at you and doesn't even like acknowledge anything else except for your jersey? And they're like, you're a piece of shit. And I'm like, cool. Like, that works. <laughs> like, thanks. I'll, t- I'll tell you a very, very quick story. We're leaving. Sure. This is this is probably before COVID was, was a thing. And, we, and I was drinking beers and hugging random strangers in the streets. Um, Naturally. Back in 20, 2019, 2018, and we and I went to a Yankees Red Sox game with actually one of our mutual friends, Jerry, and uh, my best friend Mike, and we're leaving. And luckily for me, I've never been to a Yankees Red Sox game where the Yankees have lost. Okay. So that's purely luck on my end. That's great for so, you, but that's also terrible for you because that makes a whole bunch of rowdy fans. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, it's the worst. So in this night, I had two of the most strangest react, strangest interactions ever. The first, the, the first interaction was I was sitting up, I was sitting in my seats, and I'm going and, and I'm bickering back and forth with the Red Sox fan, and in the middle of the bickering, he yells "small ball," and I'm like, "What?" And he goes "small ball," like we know how to play small ball well, like we know how to m- manufacture runs, and I'm like, "So you are arguing with me on the basis that your team can't hit home runs?" And he's like. Well, we, we, we're just so much better at small ball, like small ball, small ball. And he tries to get the people around him to like chant small ball. And everyone's looking at him like, shut up, dude. Like, that's not helping us whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing. And I'm like, this is, this, is, this is a classic, like, drunk man arguing at a baseball game. Like, it was, it was so funny to me. And I was like, I, I'm, there's nothing more that I can say to you except for have fun trying to manufacture one run by getting four base hits. I don't know what to tell you. Like, right. I'll just I'll, I'll just let Aaron Judge or Giancarlo get me a dinger and get me a run. Like, that works better for me. And naturally, that that is true for the Red Sox. They do play more small ball. They don't necessarily, 
you know, they they did at one point, um, you know, in the mid 2000s, get a lot of home run hitters. You know, yeah. and Manny, we had Ortiz, but you naturally, I'd say now we don't have as many home run hitters. Yeah, so I it, get what the point that he's making, but I don't know if it's a necessarily good one. Like it's like this I don't know if there's a the better time. way to get runs than a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think just getting any runs in baseball is a good way to do it. Pretty much. And it was just oh, it was one of those things where I'm like I I don't I'm not even going to continue this conversation because I feel like I'm losing brain cells and I'm just not going to do this. <laughs> this was also this was this was the game where Tyler Austin got into a fight. Oh um, yeah, that was it was it was that game. So that was it was that happened, and then and then after the game when we're leaving, and we're on the subway, we're pulling up um, to our stop, and this guy behind me starts like bickering, saying like cheaters or whatever whatever he was saying, and I just said one comment, and I said, well, at least we got the dub. That that's really all that matters. And he was like, what, what? And I was like, we got the win. What do you? What do you mean what and he was like oh like you think you're a tough guy blah blah, blah. like starting a fight and i'm like what are we fighting about i don't i don't want i don't understand and so i'm like all right all well, let's, just, let's just kill him with kindness <laughs> yeah like i'm just like all right let's just kill him with kindness and we get to the top of the subway entrance and he starts like getting louder and one of his buddies must have been there to pick him up in like his dodge ram or whatever and i see the buddy like walk towards me and then he's behind me. So then Mike and Jerry obviously just get closer to me. And I'm like, well, you guys have a great night. I don't know what to tell you. Like, have fun yeah. taking your loss. And he just kept, like, bickering and arguing. I was like, I'm just going to walk away because this is only going to end one way. So, Right. And obviously, as much as we hate the Yankees or you hate the Red Sox or whatever, you never want to come down to, you know, brawling with somebody. Like brawling with someone after your team lost, like okay, like cool, <laughs> like that was a great time. Let's do this again next week. <laughs> what do you want me to say to you? You know, we should have done oh. this last night when we beat you too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of those things where it's like I'm not, I'm not gonna get into a fight with you in, in a parking lot um, over your team losing. Like I don't, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I can't so. disagree with that. That is silly. Um, I have a fun Yankees story, actually, real quick before we move on. We, my buddy Nathan is a Yankees fan as well. His dad's from New York, and he was raised a Yankees fan. Fair Must enough. be a great guy. <laughs> well, kind of a piece <laughs> of shit. But nonetheless, <laughs> so we went to, we all went um, to a Red Sox game. I believe it was the Red Sox versus the Angels, and Nathan wasn't with us, but we went and we we're having a great time. And Nathan, it turns out, was actually at the game with a different friend of his. And we found him. And, you know, just by kind of looking through the stands, we eventually, we saw him. And we see that he's in a Yankees jersey at a Red Sox-Angels game. So, naturally, we know he's just trying to ruffle feathers. I get it. Absolutely. So we, we went over to the section he was in, and there was like five or six of us. And he, we had saw that he was arguing with fans around him about his jersey. So we ran up into the section and we just pointed at him. And we were just like, this kid sucks. This kid sucks. And then a bunch of random people started chanting it with us. And then we just went back down to the tune of people chanting this kid sucks at him. 
and we had just left the scene. <laughs> that is that, that 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 that's comical. I, I'll give you that. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, no, that's good. That, that's really good. I, I can respect that. <laughs> oh, anyway, as much as as much as we love sports, as much as we love you know baseball and you know our teams that we pledge our allegiance to. Um, yeah, I wanted you to be able to use this as a platform, kind of get your thoughts out as well, too. And um, as we mentioned, you know, you got a baby on the way. Do literally any time now you could have a baby tonight and it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, did you have, is there anything you wanted to talk about on that? Did you have thoughts on it? Do you have, you know, stuff that you, has been burning a hole? <laughs> and, well, you, I'm, I'm sure that you've uh, been thinking a lot about it lately. That's not something that you just kind of put on the back burner. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely burning a hole in my wallet. That's for sure. <laughs> Babies are baby stuff is not cheap. Um, but it's 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 one of those things where it's exciting and nerve wracking all like all at the same time. So being like. Like, like ever since I was a child and everything, I, I always knew that, that I wanted a family and then I wanted kids and that was going to be ultimately what I wanted to do was to have a family and, 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 and raise kids and stuff. Um, so it's something that I've always wanted and, and I'm excited to kind of move into that chapter of my life. But as as we're getting as we're getting closer and closer to the baby coming here, it's it's becoming more and more real and more and more exciting for me and I'm just I'm ready to move to this next chapter in my life to the point where I can hopefully give my values to someone else and they can then um, just kind of become a good person and just kind of raise a child and be and, and just be proud of something that me and my wife kind of kind of did together. So yeah, of course, that definitely makes sense. Do you think and not to say it's bad in any way, it's it's great, uh, of course. But do you think that there's some kind of like disadvantage to being so young and having a child you know uh, you, obviously you're what 27 27 yeah I'm gonna be 28 yeah. this year yep yeah so 27 years old do you think that's like kind of a difficult age to be having a child when you're still kind of you know trying to figure out exactly where you're gonna be in life yeah so it's 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 definitely scarier being younger and having kids um because I feel like I don't know like, I don't know what my full potential is. I haven't grown into the person that I think I'm going to fully become yet. Um, people always say that you get that, that your late thirties, early forties are, are your best years. Cause you have your peak physical, I guess, ability and, and you've gained enough knowledge, but also you have to also think about, all right. So when your kids are 20, how old are you going to be type of thing? So right. I always, I, I always knew that my age range of trying to have kids was going to be between my late twenties and early thirties. So I'm kind of on pace of, of where that's going to be, but there's definitely the biggest disadvantage that I would say with having a child in my late twenties is just not really having the life experience that I feel like I should have by now to be able to give the proper advice to, to my, uh, well, to my daughter. Um, and I'm kind of just hoping that through the next few years that situations come up where I gain that experience and, and that knowledge that, that when it comes um, up with her, that I'll know the answer and kind of know how to guide her. But that's really just the biggest fear is just not having the life experience that I, that I would like to have. To have I mean, that, that answer in itself is very wise though. So that just shows, you know, that you still, though, <laughs> though young and inexperienced in many things, you're still, you're still very wise in a lot of ways. 
I definitely definitely appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I've known you for a long time now, so, you know, I have no no doubt in my mind that you're going to be able to succeed in, you know, whatever you do, including having a child. Um, And, you know, you've already succeeded at half of that. (laughs) You you did the hard part, you know, now you just got to raise the kid. Yeah, no, hey, I, I put in that solid, like, what was it, 30 seconds of work? That That is just, that was that was it right there. And then the wife is doing the brunt of the work, but. Yeah, what was it like when you found out? Were, were you guys worried about it when you found out that you were going to be having a kid? Or was that more something that you were just like? Yeah, so one of the, one of the big misconceptions that I kind of learned through trying to have a child is that when you go through high school, they kind of teach you that don't 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 have sex because you can get pregnant like within like a few seconds type of thing but it really isn't that easy to get pregnant um you have to have the right situation um come upon you and you have to make sure that you're that you're that you're doing it at the right time type of thing so the idea that it can just happen whenever you want is isn't really factual and it isn't really realistic it's one of the things where when when you decide that you want to do it because me and my wife Haley had had talked about it and we knew that this past year was going to be the year that we were going to at least try to do it and then COVID hit and that kind of expedited that that process for us so that was so that was a blessing in its own nature and of course we realized quickly that it isn't as easy as all right we're gonna have a child let's just go do it it's it's really not that easy it it took us a few months to actually for for it to happen and the way that she told me was uh we we pretty much like went to bed like normally and everything. And then the next morning, I guess she she had woken up early and she like hadn't felt good for the past uh, for the past week. And that morning it really kind of hit her with her morning sickness. And she had taken a pregnancy test. Um, it came it came out positive, obviously that she was that she was pregnant. And she made me a, a little note that was on the that was on the uh, dining room table in the morning that said, "What would you like for breakfast? I'm eating for two. And uh, that's it very was very cute. very. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was one of those things where I, I'm not a big morning person. I, I hate mornings. It's not it's not who I am. And I read that note and it kind of just instantly woke me up. And it was a joy that I've never felt before. It was yeah. something that I was relieved that it was happening. And I was also excited that we were that we were finally doing it. And I picked her up. I I hugged her. Um, coincidentally, I had I had planned the day that she told me was the weekend before um, our my job was actually supposed to open because we were closed, obviously due due to COVID. And it was a weekend before we were supposed to open and I knew I was gonna have to work a lot. So I said, hey, let's just plan a day where we kind of just go go out to eat outdoors, obviously. I I booked this rail trail in, in New Hampshire where you on, a, on a old train tracks and you're kind of pedaling. And I literally planned a day for us to kind of just enjoy the company and but when I was booking it, we we were kind of struggling with the idea of not being pregnant yet. So I figured maybe this is a good day to relax and we'll kind of just use it as a as a getaway day. And it ended up being a celebration day because she yeah. told me that morning and it just it's a day that I will never, ever forget. Um, and even like thinking about it right now, I, I just get goosebumps because it's the, it's the first day of like the rest of my life, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I just I was so excited. Man, you're gonna be choking people up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. Like I don't, I didn't know I could love something that isn't born yet. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just crazy. No, that's that's obviously it's an amazing story. 
and I don't want to get too, too personal, but, you know, just out of curiosity, what was it like to kind of share that with, like, your family? Like, how did you, how did you tell your parents and your friends, kind of, that that was what you were going through? Yeah, so we had, so we actually, so her parents knew that we were trying because of health insurance stuff. She needed to get certain things approved through her health insurance. That, that, was, that, was, that was through her parents. But my parents had, had always made like jokes saying like, oh, like, I can't wait to be grandparents, this and that. And, and, my, pa- and my parents are, are the best. They, they eat it <laughs> up. They just, and me, I mean, and me and my wife have, have been together for 12 years now. So it's one of those things where people know that it's just in the cards. And we didn't tell my parents that we were, that we were trying. They, they just assumed we weren't because of everything going on in the world. And we decided to wait um, to the 20 week mark is when it's suggested that you should tell um, parents, actually, no, not 20 weeks. That's when you find the gender. It's 12 weeks when okay. you should tell the parents. Um, we'll tell everyone because things can happen within 12 weeks. And we, were tr- and we were trying to plan it around my mom's birthday, which is in October, but we couldn't wait that long. So we decided to, to tell my parents for my, from, from, from my dad's birthday in August, actually. So we knew that. So I kind of expected it like waterworks and stuff, but it was one of those things where we bought, where we bought little onesies that um that my parents actually read the onesie and and it read um abuela and abuelo i can't wait to meet you in in, in april but it but it was this whole spanish thing um mm-hmm. and we and we and we wrapped it up into a present and we gave it to a present um for my dad for all, all for his birthday but when we gave it to them we told them hey just open it together type of thing and we we we, we made it a very intimate thing where it was just us at breakfast with my parents and, and my brother, my brother had just woken up. So he was like delirious almost. <laughs> and my, and I have a video of it cause I, cause it, cause, cause I know I want to record it. And my dad opens it and reads it and he's confused. And he's like, what? And he reads and he gives it to my mom and my mom just instant tears, just like couldn't <laughs> hold it back. Just teared, like teared up. My dad's crying. My, uh, my brother was crying. It was, it was one of those moments where it was everyone was just so genuinely happy, and yeah. they they like cried for for a few minutes, and after that they started dancing, they they started being excited and, and, and happy and all this other stuff. So we told so we told my my parents and her parents at a twelve week mark, and then we waited another month to then announce it on um, on Facebook because that's obviously the newsbreaker nowadays is is Facebook. So of course. <laughs> um, she um she had the idea of kind of getting this like image of saying like baby baby batista expected in april 2021 and stuff and we found out really fast how how much our friends loved us and how much our friends were so happy for us because the amounts of congratulations and so happy for you and people that commented and liked our pictures and stuff it was just it was overwhelming love and i couldn't be more grateful because People like instantly kept telling me, telling us how great of a parent we were, we were going to be and stuff. And I was like, thanks, because I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have <laughs> zero clue, but someone's confident. So let's just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, I believe the day you guys announced it, I, I saw you that morning. So, you know, shortly yeah. after the announcement. And yeah, it was, you know, there's certain people that you just, you guys have been together for such a long time. Um, and you know you're just you're a great couple like to see on social media so when you see something like that you know just like everyone you can't help but to be excited and happy because it's such a 
good moment and you kind of know that the people are that are experiencing that you know deserve it and have worked for it yeah it's it's something that, that we're just so grateful for because everyone's just been so many like kind words and we've gotten so many like great like gifts and just advice and everything from all from everyone and it kind of it puts into perspective that if you treat people nice and you treat people with with love and respect they'll reciprocate it back to you and that shows when you when you have these big big life events and people kind of reach out and just say congratulations and stuff so um, yeah absolutely yeah. no that's that's really great i mean i'm glad that you're um you're getting mentally prepared for it and you you know yeah, you're really <laughs> you're really in the time now where you're expecting any minute now which is exciting you know it's 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 not always a scary thing to be in that position so it's good that you're um you're ready for it and you know it's good that you have like a really strong support team and everything to be there for you yeah it's great and i always i always make jokes and stuff like at the beginning of the pregnancy when um when when, when we were kind of going through things and stuff and she go and i would always say i'm like wow like you're pregnant like how are we gonna tell your parents because you know when you're like 16 17 years old and you're like how are we gonna tell people oh my god this is the worst <laughs> thing in the world and i kind of just kept cracking jokes and stuff and i was and whenever and whenever i see like friends that are obviously expecting and like trying to have kids and stuff i always show Haley and i'm like how are they gonna tell their parents this is crazy yeah. and we're always kind of laugh about it because it's just one of those things where it's like where it's funny because I'm gonna be 28, but I don't feel it. I guess for yeah. for, for for lack of a better term, I, no one does, I still right? feel yeah. <laughs> I, I still feel like I'm a teenager, and I'm like, oh, like I'm just going through life, kind of figuring it out. I guess, but yeah, absolutely. So, but you know, with all with all that, um, you know, comes exciting stuff. You know, the babies are super cute, and you'll be able to hang out and you know watch a baby grow and learn for a few years. Um, you know, and then they get to the age where, you know, they start going to school, start playing sports if you want them to do that, extracurriculars. So it's really, you know, it's it's a lifetime of things to do, you know. You're never gonna you're never gonna be looking for something to do because you're bored. I can, in the next I can honestly say years. that <laughs> I'm not gonna be bored for the next for the for the rest of my life. So yeah. that's hundred percent for sure. And I told and, and I told Haley the other day that my ideal summer spot this year is going to be at my house with baby on my chest, beer in my right hand, burger on my left, and let's just have a great summer. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're, um, I got you're almost right? Yeah. So actually, I was able um, I was able to get in through a friend, uh, well, mutual friend of mine in Haley's, who actually works um, in, in the medical field and knew a situation, and I was able to get my first uh, vaccine shot. A few weeks ago, and I have and I have my second shot in a couple of weeks, so that's exciting, and I'm just excited. I she gave me the opportunity, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, let's just get it done. Yeah, that's great because you know it. You don't want to end up in a situation where you can't see your child for two weeks. That yes. is, honest to God, probably the worst situation possible for a new parent. Yeah. So, and the scariest if, part about everything going on now is, I'm I I'm in this really tough tough time period and I've been in this time period for the past for the for the past month or so that if my that if I got COVID I couldn't witness the birth of my child and right. that thought alone is just the just the most scariest thing for me because I couldn't imagine not being there and not being able to support Haley throughout that time so I've been super cautious and just been super aware of like who of who I hang out with what I do and just making sure that I that I'm just I'm just safe about everything all that I do because I want to be there Absolutely. And that's part of the reason we were doing this on Zoom. I, I don't see many people um, 
don't go out too often. But nonetheless, I like I told you, I haven't been exposed to COVID that I know. I feel fine. But I'm not going to be the guy that exposes you and makes you miss that that life opportunity. And I can't thank you enough for being considerate because some other people are just like, hey, whatever, you'll be fine. I'm like, but I'm but I won't be, though. Like, I don't think you understand yeah, the magnitude like, of the situation. Yeah, it's like if I do get COVID, I might live. But mentally, I'm not going to be in a good place <laughs> at all. So. I'm just, 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 just trying to be safe, I guess, and whatever, and whatever the perception of people think of whatever it is, it's, I gotta do what, what I gotta do to make sure that I'm there for the birth of, for the, for the birth of my daughter and just play things safe. Absolutely. Well, I'm really, really glad all of that's going well for you and you really seem to have a good wrap on it and a good grip on what's going on and what you need to do to be prepared for that. That's, I mean, yeah. nothing better than seeing somebody that's being responsible. Yeah, yeah. Just touch base again in a month when I have when I have a newborn. And I'm going crazy with hair, pulling my hair out. So. <laughs> for, for for now, I'm okay. <laughs> well, you know that that's a whole different state in life. <laughs> oh. Moving on, you know, um, you know. Again, congratulations, and can't wait to see the baby and everything. But that's probably all you're talking about with anyone right now. So I'm sure that you don't want to spend too too much time going through that on a podcast when we can talk about other things that are going on in the world. So I know you had mentioned it to me through text, but you want to touch on um, kind of coaches, especially you want to touch on the coaches situation that would have happened last week at this point, by the time people hear this um, and kind of coaches being too tough on people and just kind of your whole thoughts on that. Yeah, so it, this, this whole thing kind of stemmed from me, obviously watching Sports Center because that's all I watch pretty much most of my life. But it was it was funny. I was I was watching I was watching highlights of March Madness because I mean, who isn't watching March Madness at this point? It's probably the best the best month of sports, I guess. Baseball starting up, college basketball is is, is ending, the NBA is going. It's just one of my favorite months of sports in general. So I'm watching the highlights and and I watched this interaction with Tom Izzo, the coach of Michigan State where he really gets into one of his players' faces because of a lack of communication on, on the last game of the play. And him and his player are kind of going back and forth, and the player tries to walk away. And he kind of grabs him by the jersey to kind of yell at him again. And I saw so much backlash towards the coach, and I was like, why? Like, why? Like, I, like I understand that there are limits to what you should be doing as a coach and everything because obviously back in the day things were – things weren't necessarily the the right way to handle things. And I'm not saying that you should take the route of like the Maryland football team where you're not giving waters to your football players. That's definitely not the right way to go. But I don't think that the right way to go is to be, is to generate soft players overall. I think, yeah. I, I think there's a place for hard coaching and especially like for myself, like I've, like I've been coaching AU baseball for a while now. I, I took a break for the past, for the past year and a half. And, and I'm really hoping to get into high school coaching and maybe more AU baseball coaching. And my philosophy has, has always been supportive and reinforcing, but there's a time and there's a place for you to be firm. I've never put my hands on a player. I don't think, um, I don't think it's ever gotten to that situation, but I think that when it comes to that, if you and that player have the relationship that's a very open relationship and you're kind of going back and forth and getting um, and getting heated. There's nothing wrong with what the coach did. He was just trying to get his players attention. He didn't physically abuse anyone or anything like that, but everyone is up in arms saying that he shouldn't have done that. 
So you mean he shouldn't have argued with his player that tried to walk away from him when he was trying to have a conversation with him? I just, I don't think the right way to go is that is to generate soft people. Yeah, I, I would agree to a point. I think there's limits. There's some for, or there's some situations where hard coaching is not acceptable. And I would say that's anything before collegiate level. I yeah. think high school and younger, there's not really a place for hard coaching there. You can have a coach that's strict. You can have a coach that really, you know, encourages you to put the work in, do the work in. But I don't think, you know, anyone who's not old enough to join the army shouldn't be, be being put through like a drill sergeant routine by a coach. But I think once most players, especially players that are on teams that are in March Madness, as far as a team like Michigan State would go, those players probably have aspirations for the NBA. And those coaches know that. Those are are NBA-level coaches. You know, coaches bounce between college and NBA all the time. So there's no reason that coaches in college can't be as strict as the coaches in the NBA. They're trying to prepare these kids. These are 18 to 21-year-old kids that want to be in the NBA. And if you don't come at them with the force of saying, like, hey, you need to get your shit together. You need to get your head on straight. You need to do this. You need to do that. They're never going to make it in the NBA. Look at the people in the NBA who come in they have a soft-ass attitude and they can't take it. They float around the league for a couple of years and then they're gone. Absolutely. And it's... And it's and it's funny because because I'll say the same thing too. Like we re, we refer to college basketball players as kids, but they're all around eighteen years old. At eighteen years old, aren't you considered a man? By legally, like you can join the army. You you have all these responsibilities as a man. You can be trialed through court as an adult. So we can do all this stuff as an adult. But when we're talking about coaching, now they're kids. So right. it's that it's it's that thing where it's like. Absolutely. Elementary age, young age, you should never, there, there, there's never a situation where a coach should be aggressive. That, that That's that's a parenting thing. Like at that point, you're, you're just trying to be supportive and you're, you're, you're trying to advance the kids and try to teach them that it's, that it's still a game. You want, you want, you want to encourage the love of the game and you want to keep all the way that through um, up until like you get to like that older level. And in high school, you start seeing these tougher coaches that are preparing you for the collegiate level. And as a coach, you should be able to understand who you're coaching and if mm-hmm. you're coaching someone who is literally going to science class and is just trying to have a good time with his buddies that person probably isn't too serious about making it further but when you have a child that that you know has aspirations to go on to college and to go on to to, to the NBA then then the coaching becomes more more firm and more strict in a learning but way that they can that they can grow and take that constructive criticism with them um, into the future but the second that you get to a college level program, especially with when it's a big division one program, like you're like like you're an adult. I'm yep. sorry if 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 you, if you don't do something right, you should be reprimanded. When you go to work and you get and you get told a task and you don't do it, your boss reprimands you. Like Absolutely. I don't know, like like there's there there's there's all these things where we we can treat them like kids. We 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 we, we selective and say, oh, they're kids. All right, but they're 18 year old men and, and adults let's not treat them like they're 12 years old let's toughen them up and so then that way because when they get to, to, to the nba guess what the average lifespan of nba player is what three to five years i believe is, is what i mean in their is. prime anyway yeah yeah so that's you're talking about someone who's gonna who's gonna go into nba and it's a cutthroat league if you don't have the strength or or the 
or I guess the will to want to be successful and you've never faced adversity, especially in college, then how you expect to make it in the NBA or anything in life type of thing. So it's just this perception of, of like, yeah. let's not create this self culture. Like, let's not do that because that's just going to hurt everyone in the future. I think that there's also uh, something to be said of there is such thing as being too hard on people too. There's yeah. people burst. I mean, I think a good example of somebody who had it too hard on them their entire playing time, all of them really, is the Ball family. Like, I think Lonzo Ball, especially, um, I mean, he's the oldest, so he's the one we've seen the most of. Their dad is so hard on them. And he's so hard to every coach to be hard on them that I think it like almost looks like Lonzo Ball doesn't even want to play basketball. <laughs> like, like he goes yeah. on. I mean, first of all, he ended up on the Lakers. Great. That's where you want to be. He got to play on the Lakers. He, I, I think he won a championship. Did, no, he was gone by the time. No, he was traded. Yep. Yeah. Traded before. So he, he was traded the year that they won the championship, I think, or the year before they won the championship. But nonetheless, yeah. he got to play. He got to play a year with LeBron. He was on a really shitty team, um, and they were not good. But now it's almost like I think that he's had such a hard time to get to where he is that he doesn't. It doesn't even seem like he wants it because I don't think yeah. that he's bad at basketball. He's. I think he's a very talented basketball player, but it almost seems like he doesn't. He's like not interested. Yeah, no, 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 I definitely agree with you. And it's and it's funny that, that you brought up them as an example because you see that situation in Lonzo Ball and then you see the opposite situation in LaMelo Ball where he flourishes in that environment. Right, so, and that does come down to, like, the attitude of the individual as well. Yeah, but, like, you as you as the parent or the coach at that point should understand that not everyone is coached the same way. You have to, you, you, you have to learn who you're coaching and coach them in a certain way that will be successful to them. And I mean, we're saying all this stuff, but they're both in the NBA. So, I mean, whatever he did worked. So it's like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, I think what it comes down to my, my final kind of thought on the topic is it's okay to be hard on a player in any sport at a certain level. Like I said, if, if they're in college and they take that sport seriously and they want to be a professional at that sport, then there's no chance they're going to do it unless you're hard on them. There, Nobody has, has lollygagged their way into the NFL or the NBA. Everybody has got there because of hard work and people pushing them. It's just, it's you You got you to gotta find that right middle ground. But I don't think we've, we have found it yet as a society of, of, of how we treat coaching when we see it on video. Because now it's like, oh my God, did you see that video of that coach grabbing that player? Yeah, he got his attention. Like, what, yeah. do, you, what do you mean? Yeah, it, it's so. Yeah, it all falls in line with everything in this in this world right now, where you know things get blown out of proportion, no matter what they are. Absolutely, and it's just it's it's the worst. Can't we just all just understand that not everything is perfect, and we can just <laughs> kind of understand that there's coaching that's firm and coaching that that is soft. Like it's just let's just, let's just not create soft generation. That's that's my goal. I don't Absolutely. I don't want to be in my mid forties. And my whole generation cries because a coach grabbed them by the by the jersey. Like that's not what I want. I can't agree more. And honestly, what a perfect segue to everyone's favorite weekly segment: the "I don't fuck with you" list. 
you know, look at you. Obviously, that's something that you feel strongly about, and I agree with you. And yeah. um, you know, so that brings us to everybody. Like I said, it's everybody's favorite weekly segment. People love it. The guests when they come on are like, "Oh man, I've been thinking about this ever since we talked." And he said, "Like I was going to be on." So we'll move on, and uh, we'll do some some I don't fuck with yous, and we have three each. I was just like you said. I've been thinking about this hard, so I got my three, and I feel very passionate. Um, the first one is something that stems from my favorite movie of all time. So my favorite movie of all time is Despicable Me. Um, judge me all you want; doesn't really matter. It's the greatest movie ever. Um, <laughs> but the person that I don't fuck with in, in Despicable Me is Doctor Nefario. Okay. And here is why: this this man is sitting there creating all these inventions and all this and all this good stuff and has all these minions when Gru is the real leader, right? So these two claim to have been friends for all this time. And then once Gru wants to better his life and become a better person, Dr. Nefaro's like, peace out, bro. Like, <laughs> what kind of friend is that? That's, that's, that's the worst thing that I could ever hear of. It's not a very good friend. So I'm sitting there, I was like, well, you can fuck right off because if my friends said, hey, I don't fuck with you anymore because you're trying to better yourself, well, then I don't fuck with you anymore. So, Dr. Nefario, see you later. Good riddance. Hasta luego, ego. Alrighty, then. I, I'm glad you feel strongly about that because uh, though I have seen Despicable Me, I have no strong feelings about it. I do enjoy it, and that's about as far as my feelings go. But um, I do agree with what you're saying 100%. <laughs> 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 good because that is that was my number one and i was like i can't wait to just express this over the listeners of laid out podcast i love it all right so my first i don't fuck with you is a group of people um i saw an article recently people are trying to cancel the movie grease and i don't fuck with the people who are trying to cancel the movie grease because who are these you, people? You, you've seen Grease, I assume? Everyone has? Absolutely. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, of course. So uh, people are pulling a lot of parts from it. At one point in the song, Summer Loving, the guys say, did she put up a fight? And people are taking that quite literally as opposed to like, you know, was she playing hard to get? Oh, which God, is obviously what they really meant. Obviously, that was like, did she put up a fight? Was she playing hard to get? Like, it's very obvious what they That is unbelievable. Right, right. And uh, there's multiple other things throughout the movie that people have picked apart. Uh, but if you're if you're a Grease canceler, I, I don't fuck with you. I'm sorry. It's a great movie. It's a classic. And it's not creepy. Not at all. It's, that's that, that is wild to me. What? I guess um, I guess that'll kind of segue into in, into my second one. Totally related on the same level here. I do not fuck with people who absolutely love pickles. Oh, I <laughs> do not like pickles whatsoever. I think they're gross. I think most pickles look like they're shriveled up pieces of cucumbers, which essentially what's what they are. Um, the when in high school, they used to sell dill pickles at the basketball games. And when I was on and when I was in the game and I would look to my left and I would look at a ble bleacher at a girl chomping on her nice dill pickle, I would probably want to vomit every single time. I. <sighs> Uh, Do not fuck with people who love pickles. It is just the grossest think, thing in the world. I think we have time for a quick pickle story. Oh. So when I, was, when I was about 17 or 18, I went to my brother's house. He's 10 years older than me, so quite an age gap. 
and he said, hey, I'm going to eat a pickle. Do you want? I said, no, thank you, Dan. I don't like pickles. And he said, have you ever had a pickle? And I said, yes, I've tried pickles. I don't like them. Thank you. He then proceeds to force me to try and eat a pickle because I, quote unquote, never actually tried them and I'm just saying that I don't like them. <laughs> I despise pickles. So I say, fucking fine, whatever. Give me a pickle. He gives me the pickle. I take a bite of it. I chew it. I swallow it. As soon as it hits my esophagus, my body says, nope. And I run outside <laughs> and regurgitate the pickle. <laughs> and then he goes, he, I walk back in. And he goes, did you puke? And I go, yep. And he says, oh, I guess you don't like pickles. <laughs> That is, I would, I would panic if someone forced me to eat a pickle. Like that is, that's, that's a nightmare. That's, that's it, quite it wasn't honestly fun. a nightmare. Yeah, it oh. wasn't fun. And I have seen some pretty gnarly stuff and I would rather do some of that stuff. I don't really fuck with 10 person football leagues. I much prefer 12 person fantasy football leagues. I thank you. I think that 10 it's fun, don't get me wrong, and I'll absolutely participate in 10-person leagues. But I don't think there's as much of a challenge in a 10-person league compared to a 12-person league. It's just, it's a lot deeper, and the managers need to have a lot more skill on their waiver wire and their trading when there's a whole two other teams worth of players not available. That's pretty much it. I mean, I don't have deep reasons for it. I just think that a 12-team league is a little more competitive and a little more difficult, a little more fun. Yeah, no, it's a, a 12 persons league are definitely harder, but it makes for a better experience. Like I said, like my league right now is 10 is, is ten people because it's it's tough to find 12 people that are, that are, that are obviously committed and stuff. But and we've had the same 10 people roughly for five years, six years. Yeah, a good amount of years, yeah. It's, yeah. it, I mean, we've had a pretty good amount of core group and I think some of them are, will leave when we go to 12. So it might like kind of shake things up, but hey, change is good. Cool. What was your, uh, what was your last one, Leo? My third one and my last one is I don't fuck with the people who hate craft beer. That's me. That is. <laughs> <laughs> craft beer is something that has been blessed upon our souls for our for our enjoyment and nothing smacks better than a nice fresh India pale ale on a summer afternoon. Those things are like gold to me. And it's funny that I'm that I've become this person because two years ago I was strictly Corona. Because I mean, when you're when when you are a Hispanic male, you fit the stereotype of drinking coronas. That that's just what we do, right? I just drink coronas because Vin Diesel told me I could have whatever brew I wanted as long as it was a corona and I'm scared. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. <laughs> but let me tell you, I got um, I got introduced to craft beer through like a f mutual friend of mine and Haley's through her working at the hospital. And I can tell you right now that I went a whole year without having the same beer twice. And that was probably one of the best years of my life because there's just so much stuff out there and so many people just hate craft beer. And I'm like, you don't hate craft beer. You hate the craft beer that was given to you. I can find you a beer that you would like. Just tell me what you like. And it was like, no, 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 no. I'll just drink my regular Bud Light. And I'm like, well, have fun with your water. I figured this would this would ruffle a feather in this podcast. <laughs> it's not ruffling feathers because I have nothing against craft beer. I just don't 
want to order a beer I'm not going to enjoy. And I know what I'm getting when I get a Bud Light or <laughs> a Coors Light or even a Budweiser. I know what I'm getting into. It's like it's like going to the 99s. Like, I know what I'm getting. Oh, but, my God. Are you, what, but, but why am I going to? Why am I going to spice this up by trying the new restaurant down the street? I don't know if they have gold fever wings. I'm just going to stick with what I know. <laughs> it's funny because I use that same concept with a lot of stuff in my life. Like I food, ice cream. I'm a big vanilla ice cream guy. But when it comes to beer, I'm like, no, give it a shot. Who cares? It's just beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's how some people are. The thing for me, the main reason I don't drink a lot of craft beer is because I'm not an IPA. All right, so my last one is a nod to our first conversation. Um, I don't fuck with people who... Okay, I want to change it to specifically. I don't fuck with Yankees haters that don't show respect. Okay. Now, I'm fine with Yankees haters telling you to go fuck yourself and that they're going to kill you and that <laughs> you should go die. Sure. Okay. But if you're... A true Yankee hater, I'm just going to assume you're a baseball fan or you're an asshole, one or the other. Because if you're not a real baseball fan, you shouldn't hate the Yankees. You have no reason to. But So that's a good point. Right. I don't like the Yankees haters that don't show respect. I'm sorry. Derek Jeter's the greatest shortstop of all time. And if somebody says that, I'm going to say Derek Jeter's the greatest shortstop of all time. I don't care what team he played on his entire career. I don't care if I hate that team. I know and respect baseball enough to say that I know those are the facts. I, I respect baseball enough to say I know that A-Rod was a really good player. I don't fucking like him, but I know. Or Yankees fans don't either. It, most of them don't. <laughs> but I know that I can say he's a good player. I know I can say Aaron Judge is one of the best hitters in the last 10 years. I am man enough to sit there and say, Hey, I can respect these players and their skill, but still fuck the team that they're on. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you. I and, and there's hate so many the people Sox, that will not respect players. Of course, I know so many people that are like, "No, fuck Derek Jeter. Like Jeter sucks." Like, no. The truth is, he's the best person to ever play his position in the history of the game. But he was on the Yankees, so you won't admit that. <laughs> And that's again, that, that, that's a very good point. Like I, I, I pride myself on being a baseball fan. And while I will never, ever, ever draft a Red Sox player on any fantasy baseball team that I ever have, I can tip my hat when they have or had the second best player in the majors. Like it's just, of you respect it. I mean, probably first best, but. Well, I mean, there's a guy that roams around in center field in Los, in Los Angeles, that kind of just does everything better than than everyone else. <laughs> well, some people think that. My friend is an Angels fan, and I'll I'll never admit that's another name I'll never say on this podcast. Not, I will not say it. I had to wear the fucking the stupid fucking fish hat before because he went to LA and bought one. What? Not doing it. Not coming out of my mouth. Fuck that guy. <laughs> what? What? You are the first person that I know that hates him. I, dude, purely, you don't know. My friend Mike is a diehard Angels fan. 
and he is obsessed or maybe not as much anymore because you know life gets in the way and you're not always able to follow sports as closely as you want to but yeah. if for a long time from when he was a rookie to when he was you know the star of the game and, and still is all i heard about was this fucking guy and i'm so sick of <laughs> him <laughs> i guess that can get pretty annoying that i i can see where you're coming from it's certainly oh, but can. i mean i'm I mean, the Angels never win, so no. I guess no. you can always default back to that. And that's why he doesn't have 30 MVPs or whatever, 10 MVPs <laughs> for every year he's been in the league. Because if the Angels fucking made the playoffs, he probably would. What's his name? Yeah. Altuve steals all the MVPs because he has an actual decent team around him slash they cheat. Well, I mean, when you when you know what pitch is coming, it makes things pretty easy. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty easy for guys like Altuve and Bregman to be good at baseball because they, uh, you know, don't play it. That's a that's a topic for for another day when Aaron Judge should have been the MVP. But hey, I mean, who's bitter? I mean, am I bitter? No, I can't say I'm bitter. I just hate that guy. Why? Why would you be bitter? You know, <laughs> no reason. Heading towards the last segment on the show, something I ask each and every guest is for something for the listeners of the podcast to consider give a try you know even something to watch something to do something to practice in their everyday life and i would like to know if you have something for the listeners somewhere along those lines i do so this is something that i also feel passionate about um and just recently feel more passionate about and it's really geared more towards guys but i want to say that some girls don't do this but they probably should um, and it's pedicures. Okay. I started to get pedicures with my wife out of being nice and just because we live in the middle of East bumfuck nowhere <laughs> currently. So we needed something to, to do and she wanted to get a pedicure because she, cause she, she loved them. And I was like, oh, sure, why not? Like, let's just go spend some time together. And Ryan, let me tell you, I have never gotten a better calf <laughs> massage in my life. This pedicure changed my life. It's one of the things where you sit down, you pay and a person X amount of money and they clip your toenails, they follow your toenails, they clean up all the little pieces that shouldn't be there and they give you the best leg massages. Obviously you get the right person in the right place to do it, but it is so relaxing and just makes you feel rejuvenated when you're gone. So I've never, I've never done it. Um, I'm not huge on other people touching my feet. I won't lie. It's a little strange to me. No, hey, it's I get it, but but I'm but I wouldn't knock it because I can imagine how relaxing it is. It's one of those things like I'm not like I'm not a feet person. Like I'm the person that like sees feet and I'm like I want to vomit. Um, no matter how cute your feet are, I guess people say that all the time. Um, but people do I don't say. like feet. But when I go get pedicures, I'm like this is this is awesome. Like you can absolutely go ahead and take care of my feet while I sit here on my phone and just kind of hang out. And it really goes along with um, what the overall, I think, theme of this segment has been, which is self-care. We've had a lot. We've had people suggest trying Botox, massages, manicures. Um, Joe Pedro suggested people getting their eyebrows threaded. You know, we've had all sorts of stuff. And it seems like people are really encouraging other people to do self-care, which I think not enough people take time and actually do self-care nowadays i think it's caught up in everything in life and you know jobs and relationships and 
everything else and they don't have the time to actually take a few minutes for themselves and do something that really is just for them absolutely like no one no one is gonna take care of you if you're not gonna take care of yourself so why not go out there and if you have a few extra bucks pamper yourself and make yourself feel good take your girl out if you have a girl if not take the boys out pennies for the boys that's what it's all about that's for the boys go get yourself some pennies yeah, nobody <laughs> says you can't get a little little tipsy and go get a petty. Yeah, mimosas and petties just like totally changes the perception of anything. Yeah, doesn't matter. You think that's her chicks weekend? No, do it with the boys. You'll see how close you are after that weekend. <laughs> oh man! All right, Leo, looks, well, like, looks like we just looks like we just planned our next outing. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you so much for for doing this, for being on. It's been a, a real pleasure. I hope uh, I hope you had a good time as well. Absolutely, I, I hope you had a good time, and I hope the, your, your listeners love it. Um, and we can anytime you need someone on, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else before uh, before we log off here and uh, send send the listeners into our outro that you wanted to uh, plug any social media you want them to follow, see some baby pictures at, anything like that? Yeah, go for it. I mean, hey, if you guys if you guys want to see some baby pictures, you guys you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, Leo underscore Batista num- number three um, on Twitter. It's Despicable Leo three. Surprise, surprise, favorite movie. Um, and feel free to give it a search. My my profile pictures are pretty fire. Just just to let you know. Um, <laughs> but I'm a pretty fun follow. All right, perfect. You guys can follow Leo there. Um, as always, you can follow us at the Laid Off Podcast on Instagram. We are not on any other social media. If you see us on other social media, it is an imposter, and you should report them immediately. Wants <laughs> <laughs> uh, to go make three fake counts on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, I just want to uh, thank everyone for listening. Thank Leo for being on, and uh, good night, everyone. One time for them praying on my downfall. Yeah. Two times for the homies in the child hall. Wow. Three times for them hoes on the internet shitting on niggas when they really should get out more. Four times for the days that were all bad. Woo. Five times for the bitches who ain't called back. Yeah. Six times for the kids like me who got ADHD just to kick it. Kidnapping nigga like Isis. Whoa. Turn the whole world to a crisis. Whoa. Whoa. Walk around the city with an ice pick. I've been paranoid. Usually I ain't like this. Ain't no telling how crazy I might get. Uh. Beat the police with a nice stick. My whole life I've been lifeless Now I'm so fly I'm a motherfucking flight risk Whoa Fuck a couple hoes Till I pass out Whoa Niggas throwing stones At my glass house Whoa I remember sleeping On my dad's couch Whoa Now I got the Bentley And it's blacked out Whoa Family looking at me Like a cash cow Whoa Everybody dissing Just a half plow Whoa Thought you had a chance Now you asked out Nigga on the motherfucking man Where you at now Whoa Fuck it I'ma hit them Till they jumping I ain't tripping This is nothing I've been living in the dungeon I done held a couple grudges What the hell I got a to Meet the devil I'm a cousin I ain't said I'm living nothing Got the metal in the truck And keep the semi when I'm busting Niggas ducking Niggas Stevie Wonder couldn't see coming I ain't dodging I just want the money I don't need a budget I've been hungry I ain't got no oven But I got the munchies Nigga how you gonna move On the front line If I don't fuck with you I just cry ties My high school teacher said I'd never be shit Tell that bitch that I turned out Just fine And no I don't know you For the 12th time We do not share the same bloodline You let her run your mouth Like a tough guy Hope you keep the same energy When it's crunch time